Uh, I like to take some time from time to time in chapel just to maybe share uh, some uh, miscellaneous thoughts that uh, I hope will be a blessing and, and maybe a couple of announcements as well, and then we'll have a brief message this morning. I do want to remind you as a student body that uh, even though we've had a disruption with respect to some of the extracurricular activity, uh, maybe uh, not as many uh, outreach events down to LA or maybe not as many sporting events as normal. Uh, we, we are excited about getting back on some normalcy of schedule and a couple of thoughts that I have related to that are surrounding missions trips opportunities and I do want to encourage you that if you have an interest in the trip this summer to Nicaragua uh, be sure to see Brother England. Um, I am really excited about what's happening there. Uh, I took a trip there about five years ago, um, and at that time, there were no independent Baptist missionaries in the country. There were uh, some strong independent Baptist churches that were still going. They were started by Baptist missionary uh, Bob Dayton, who uh, was with BIMI back in the 60s. He went to Nicaragua, and uh, as a testimony to what God does through missions, uh, I was able to preach in a few of those churches that despite the civil unrest and despite the absence of missionaries, uh, the churches had gone on because that's what churches do, and even as Dr. Getch mentioned this morning. So uh, we are in groundbreaking territory in Nicaragua by sending some of the first missionaries back. And uh, Brother Portillo uh, is doing a great job. And uh, if you have opportunity, you'll be able to see something very special. Uh, 35 years ago, we began supporting Brother Ed Bordell in Costa Rica. Um, Costa Rica has a lot of natural resources, rainforests, and so forth. And, and since then, tourism has set in and the country has really become a shining light in Central America economically, but also spiritually, because the church that Brother Bordell started with teenagers who were on drugs and just people he was meeting out soul winning, today is a church running nearly 800 every Sunday and reaching out, starting other churches. So uh, what I'm saying is this is a, an opportunity to get in on the ground floor. Then I was uh, corresponding yesterday with Brother Rick Martin, uh, who has served the Lord now for uh, boy, I think 35 or 40 years in Iloilo in the Philippines, one of our uh, favorite missionaries, I guess I would say. He's been a blessing to me and to my family. Uh, Brother Martin um, has been used of the Lord to start uh, over 1,000 churches in the Philippines. Just think of that. Like George Mueller, he prays. God has sent the funds. They have raised the men. And over 1,000 places in the Philippines have churches. And I want to show the slide, by the way. If you have that slide that Brother Martin sent, he sends this to me every month. These are the names of the students who are praying and fasting for me. Students from their Bible college who are taking one day a month, each of them taking a different month, to fast and to pray for Brother Chapel all the way in the United States of America. And isn't this something they send this to me every month? Students, let me ask you something. Who do you pray and fast for? Is there, do you have a prayer list? And this is always so convicting to me when they send this to me, uh, that they're praying for me. And let me encourage you. Maybe some of you would like to pray for Brother Martin and uh, uh, get a list together. I'll send it to him. He needs the prayer. 
and they're still on lockdown with COVID and all this. But he wrote me yesterday, and, and we were emailing back and forth, and he said, uh, we're coming out of this, and he said, uh, we're very excited about spiritual leadership Asia in March of 2022, one year from right now. That will be one of our next great missions endeavors. Uh, Dr. Getch is the person to contact if you have an interest in going to Manila. Uh, we had right at uh, 9,700 people from the 1040 window signed up to come to this conference, and we had to cancel it because of COVID, and uh, that was one of the very early things we canceled, and uh, it was, of course, uh, something that uh, we're glad we canceled it because, boy, the pandemic just took off, but if you're interested, now would be the time to start saving uh, financially. I think last time, Dr. Getch, it was around $1,500, if I remember correctly. And I'm sure there'll be more formal announcements in September. But I wanted to put that on your radar after I heard from Brother Martin yesterday. I thought many of you might like to see the Philippines, be around people from Indonesia, Malaysia, China, Japan, Korea, and uh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. It's amazing, all the countries that the folks come from. I also uh, wanted to just share a few uh, quotes with you from uh, some of my notes over the years. So take out your note taker journal if you would. And I just uh, would like to just give you some things that uh, have blessed my life. And then we'll get into the message in a moment. And, uh, uh, and I hope that you'll jot some of these down. I hope you jot chapel notes down and quotes down. Believe me, when you get into a mode of preaching on a regular basis or teaching, you're going to want to go back and grab these. Uh, and as I was telling my class yesterday, be sure to visit the website that we established, ministry127.com. It's filled with illustrations and quotes that you can use. And I started that website because it occurred to me about 10 years ago that a lot of our graduates, they were going to websites of men that were promoting really poor ministry philosophy. And uh, they were just dumbing down the gospel and into this hyper-grace type of live however you want philosophy. Uh, there was just a, a tremendous amount of, uh, of garbage really out there on the internet. And the Ministry 127 is sponsored by Lancaster Baptist Church. It's got great quotes on lots of subjects. And, and uh, so some of these can be found there. But it's good to have areas uh, where you can draw upon those resources for your study. So I want to just share a few of those with you today, and, uh, and then maybe we'll uh, be a help and a blessing to you. I want to just start with this one, and, uh, uh, and this is very, very simple, but I want you to capture it with me, and that is this, that you are here to get an education. This isn't a real theological quote, but I want to start here. You are at West Coast Baptist College to get an education. Please remember that. Uh, if you get a spouse on top of it, hallelujah. Now that would have to begin, of course, by having a date. And that would begin by asking. And fellas, I know some of you have been influenced by the secular culture of the day, but here at West Coast, the guys ask the girls out. So I'm not sure what you're waiting for, all right? Uh, it would be great to get a spouse. It would be great to play ball or sing up here on the platform or be in the yearbook staff or take a missions trip. But you are fundamentally here to get an education. Now, I want to specifically mention about that, that while you're here, some of you do work part-time jobs, and you uh, need to work to pay your bill. That's a good thing. I worked for four years a swing shift job in Bible college. 
three o'clock in the afternoon till midnight every day. I studied uh, from one to two in the afternoon and then from 12.30 until about 1.30 in the morning. Then I slept, got back up, and went at it the next day. I studied also on weekends. Um, working is, uh, for many of you, a part of this experience. But, but be very careful that you don't lose focus. You did not come here to work. We see this with students that get jobs during college and different colleges, and, and they start to lose their focus. And, and some guy, he's like a security guard, like, wow, look at me. I get to wear a badge on the swing shift, and maybe I'd be a police officer someday, and, and maybe I could be Barney Fife. I mean, look at me. I'm a, I'm a security guard. And literally, there are people that go to Bible college every year. They get that job, and they start thinking about being a policeman or security guard or all this type of thing. Now, never doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. And in the light of his word, he sent you to Bible college to train for the ministry. I have a friend that went to college with me who started working at Vaughn's grocery store his freshman year of college. And I heard from him the other day, listen very carefully. He went to Bible college because at a teen camp, he said, I surrender my life to the ministry of Jesus Christ. He has now worked for 39 years for Vaughn's Grocery. Started making some money, kind of got a little discouraged. 39 years later, he is putting bananas on the same banana shelf. Don't get sidetracked while you are in this place. You came here to get an education, to fill a calling of God upon your life. The job is a means to an end, right? And keep that in mind while you're here. How many of you are working a job somewhere out in Lancaster, Palmdale? Let me see your hands, okay? So I'm talking to you. Keep that in mind while you're here. Let me give you a couple of other quotes now. First, the goal of Christian education is to develop the mind of Christ. The goal of Christian education is to develop the mind of Christ. And uh, we want you to think in a Christ-centered fashion. And I want you to remember that you're here to get an education. The goal of Christian education is to develop the mind of Christ. Let's get your pen out. Let's write these things down. I'm not talking here just because I don't have anything else to do. You need to get these things down in your life and in your notes. Next, the Christian life is a holy life. The Christian life is a holy life. Oh, it grieves my heart to see these churches that act like church is a nightclub. Listen, we don't need to go to church where there's holes in the tight jeans of the lady leading the singing and she's up there kind of wiggling around and the pastor's telling off-color jokes. Church should be a, a Christ-centered experience, but your whole life should be a holy life separated unto the Lord. It doesn't mean that you wear a tie and hard-soled shoes to play basketball in or uh, you can wear a hunt shirt or you can have fun, but always remember that your testimony, your life should be speaking forth for the Lord Jesus Christ in all that you do. Don't, don't make fun of people who have standards, maybe a little more conservative than you. Be thankful 
and make sure that you yourself understand the Christian life is a holy life. Next, I want to remind you of this. These are just some statements, some things from my Bibles over the years that I've written down and want to share with you. Resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Now let me tell you something. If you get bitter or if you get resentful in your life, the only person you're hurting is yourself. Resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. There, you, here's the next statement. You cannot be in the ministry without hurts. You're going to be hurt from time to time. Someone is going to write you a mean letter. If you're a school principal, they're not going to like what you said. If you're a teacher, they're going to get mad that their kid didn't get a B instead of a uh, C. Or uh, if you're a pastor, they're not going to like that you preached a certain message. No one told me this when I was in Bible college, but hurts are a part of the ministry. You must not, in the midst of the ministry, allow yourself uh, to get bitter or to get angry. Because all that will do, and I've met bitter pastors, and all that will do is limit your ministry. And it will limit the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So determine uh, to, to get better, but not bitter in the Christian life. All right? And then let me share this phrase with you. This has helped me my whole life long. Nearness is likeness. Nearness is likeness. Make sure that your closer friends are strong Christians. Because you're going to become like those people that you get near and that you allow to influence you. Nearness is likeness. I can see it. Listen, nobody backslides alone. People always backslide in groups of two or three. I've seen it here at the college over the years. Thankfully, I haven't sensed it this year. But you'll have one guy with a bad attitude and he's questioning this and questioning that. And Look at this website and, you know, I think we ought to do ministry this way. And just being a rebel, he always wants someone else to fall with him. Always wants to take someone else down with him. Make sure that you choose your friends wisely. I have friends in my ministry life that they encourage me and they're godly. I can, I can mention so many. Uh, the, our, our leaders of the college, I think of our three vice presidents, they're a friend to me as well in the ministry. I think of Dr. Willette, Dr. Sisk. My friends are men that have never said an off-color joke. Never heard them curse. They're not given to bitterness. I don't want to be around people that are going to take me down. Let me encourage you to choose your friends wisely, all right? Here's one. Disappointments are his appointments. Disappointments are his appointments. I see so many people these days, they get disappointed. They want to move. They want a new job. They want a new college. They want this or that. Is there anybody who will claim Romans 8.28 and say, God has a reason for this, and disappointments are his appointments. And then I'll close with this one final one. The heart 
You know this one. The heart of the problem is a problem of the what? Heart. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. You know, sometimes in counseling, people come in and a wife will start saying, he never, he never, and the husband says, she never, she never. And, 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 and you'll hear people like this. They have these, I call them fruit problems. But my responsibility is to figure out what's the root problem here. There's something going on in the heart. There's something deeper than just this yikity yak that I'm hearing right now. And sometimes in your life and mine, the problem's going to be a heart problem. And we're going to need to deal with that. And so uh, always remember, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And uh, I believe that we must keep an emphasis on having the right heart attitude at all times. Well, I'm glad to be with you today. This is my second time in chapel this week, and I've looked forward to it so much. I preached to the elementary chapel. That's a, that's a tough group, let me tell you. If you don't bring candy to them, don't even come into chapel. And uh, we don't have candy for you, but we do have donuts for you today, all right? So uh, we're going to take care of you. Turning your Bible to Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, stand, if you would, please. And we, we will not be long. I'm going to give you a brief outline. We're glad to have guests with us today and so thankful for each of you as students. And I do want to just share with you uh, this message uh, today uh, from Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, a wonderful passage of God's Word. And I want to speak to you today about the subject of doctrine. The subject of doctrine and the importance of it. Doctrine is a set of beliefs. Why come to Bible college? You need a set of beliefs to live your life by, and you need a set of beliefs to share with your generation. Uh, and, and notice what Solomon says to his son, Rehoboam, here in Proverbs 4. Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Now we're seeing a generation of teenagers turning away from God's law, from the principles of their fathers, their pastors. And yet here's a father pleading, don't forsake my law. Don't forsake what I've tried to give you. I've given this to you to help you. And I want to speak to you as a generation that is often moving away from God's law about why you should choose to stay true to the doctrinal teachings of the Word of God. Let us pray. Father, bless these final moments here in this chapel. Help me to be a blessing to our students today. May they not forsake your law is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The law of God is not necessarily to be viewed upon as something that is legalistic or even ceremonial. There are ceremonial laws that were limited to a particular dispensation. But when we come to the word law here, we're speaking about the precepts and principles of God. We're not speaking here about necessarily uh, how the sacrifice took place in the book of Leviticus or what, uh, what robes and uh, articles were worn by the high priest. We're not speaking in terms of ceremonial law. There are many people today, including 
the, the far left liberal Southern Baptists like Andy Stanley and others who have said publicly, we don't need the Old Testament. We can unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. And I totally disagree with that. I believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And uh, that includes the Old and the New Testament. And what I want you to understand today is, is yes, there are principles uh, that are of the ceremonial law that are not in practice in the New Testament church. But the word law does not always refer to the ceremonial. It most often refers to the precepts the principles that God wants our lives to be governed by. And Solomon says, forsake not my law. He says, I give you good doctrine. Webster defines doctrine as a set of beliefs. We are living in a world that is casting off beliefs. This world doesn't even believe in boy and girl. This world is casting off the basic laws and principles of God even concerning he created male and female. Now I believe that every strong church must be built not by a great lead guitar player but by a strong doctrinal preacher and every great church must be built on strong doctrine. And I want you to notice in 1 Timothy 3.15 what the Bible says, and you can turn there or jot it down. It says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, and here's the key phrase, the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church must be the pillar and the ground of the church. The Los Angeles Unified School District has said they may not even have classes even this coming fall. And uh, they're making demands about uh, how they want every student vaccinated and, and they want this and they want that. It's a school, Unified School District, that has Gay Pride Month every spring and, and so oftentimes emphasizing a social reordering and, and what I'm saying to you is that your generation will not get the law of God in the public schools. There's no pledge oftentimes. There's no Bible reading. They've taken out the Ten Commandments. The average parent is so busy at work and sometimes strung out on marijuana and who knows what else. Children are not going to get the law of God in the average American home. So God says, I've raised up a church and I want my church to thunder out the truth to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. Every strong church is a church with strong doctrine. And there is a difference between a crowd and a church. And don't you get out of this Bible college and get jealous about some big church and think, oh, I'm not growing fast enough. I better have a band. I better use slang words. I better switch Bible versions. And that's why many are doing this, because they want to grow. Listen today, young men, make God, not growth, your goal in the ministry. Your goal your goal is God, not growth. Your goal is God, not growth. I hope you have a church of 10,000, but I'd rather see you have a church that's maybe not as big as the next one, but stay true to the Word of God. Doctrine counts. Doctrine truly counts. Brother Stevens, who preached in chapel two days ago, was speaking to me about the current theological trends. He was speaking to me about some that are trending away uh, in uh, uh, this progressive movement, as he called it. He named the name of a man I know well. He said, I'm afraid it's now affecting his doctrine. And he shared some doctrines coming out of the blog. 
And though they use the word gospel, many times they're moving away from the doctrines of the gospel. I'm just saying, doctrine still matters. Be careful of what kind of preachers you're going to attend seminars or hearing on the, on the websites. Make sure that you're trying the spirits to see whether they be of God. Make sure that the doctrine is straight and right in this wicked day. Every church must have strong doctrine. Don't sleep during Bible doctrines class at West Coast Baptist College. Get your doctrine. But may I say today that every strong home must have doctrine. Every strong home, this is all just a little introduction here to my short message. I'll try to hurry. Every strong home needs doctrine. You know the Bible says in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. There's a doctrine. Husbands love your wife. Wives Submit yourselves on your own husband. There's a doctrine. I would say this. Every strong life is built on certain sets of doctrine and belief. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here we have Solomon saying, Solomon don't forsake the doctrine. Don't remove the ancient landmarks. Can I tell you, young men, something? When you get called to a church, you take a look at what they believe, and you determine, I will do nothing to change the doctrine of this church. I will not be a charlatan. I will not be a Trojan horse. I will not come into this church just acting like I believe like they believe with every intention to change it into something else. You be faithful to the doctrine of the Word of God. Now, notice quickly the priority of good doctrine. Verse 2 says, I give you good doctrine. Forsake not my law. I want to challenge you, this is very simple, to hold on to good doctrine. Your preacher that sent you here has good Bible doctrine. He believes in the doctrine of heaven and hell. He believes in soul winning. He believes in the indwelling Holy Spirit. He believes in the imminent return of Christ. He, he believes uh, in the, uh, in the uh, eternal security of the believer. Uh, the list could go on. He believes in the preservation of the scripture. He sent you here because we believe these same doctrine. Doctrine is the glue that holds us together. And I want to just challenge you to hold on to it. I get so tickled. And we see it in Bible college work. People start asking the silliest little questions. And, well, you know, how much do you believe in this or that? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not really totally in it. Look at, get totally into the doctrine of the Word of God. Don't be the one that's always the naysayer or the questioner or the asker of silly questions. Vain jangling, which are of no profit. Can I tell you men something today? I am much more interested in preaching from my King James Bible and in seeing people saved from the preaching of the Word of God than I am arguing with some twit about could there be another one someday. If there is someone 20 years down the road, show it to me. I'll evaluate it by the text. But until then, I'm quite busy trying to get people out of hell. These guys in Bible college, I remember one guy in Bible college literally asked me, did Adam have a belly button? What kind of a twit asks questions like that? 
He's probably pastoring the first community flower child church of Los Angeles right now. I have no idea. It's fine to ask questions, but there are some things that God put a period on that you don't need to keep dwelling and dwelling on. Solomon said, get the doctrine. Hold to the doctrine. 2 Timothy 3 and 10. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 3 and 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Say it with me. But thou hast fully known my... I want to be a preacher where men know my doctrine. Oh, you know Brother Chapel. He believes in the deity of Christ. He's always preaching about it. Oh, you know Brother Chapel. He believes God's preserved his word. He's a TR man. He believes God's preserved his word in the King James Version of the Bible. You know that. Oh, you know Brother Chapel. He believes in soul winning. He's against lifestyle evangelism. He's against this idea uh, that maybe you could get saved and then lose your salvation. He believes we're sealed under the day of redemption. Paul said, you have fully known my doctrine. Listen, be the kind of man that people know where you stand. There's too much of this wishy-washy. He's here this day. He's here that day. Listen, be someone that people can trust. The average congregation is so sick to death of every few years a new pastor with a whole bunch of new doctrine or philosophy. And Paul said, you have fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, etc." Notice verse 4. It says in Proverbs, he taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Retain it. I don't want the professors of this college for one moment trying to undo in your mind what your godly fundamental pastor taught you before you got here. What I want to do is try to reinforce what they did in your life to help you retain what you have been given. Now, if you came from a charismatic church, we're going to tweak on you a little bit, all right? If you came, some of you, sometimes that happens. We've had, I'll never forget, uh, Mrs. Donna Wilson, one of the wonderful pastor's wives who came to our college 20-some years ago. And she came to us from a kind of non-denominational background. She wore jeans and flip-flops into the first day of chapel. Remember that, Mrs. Weaver? And Mrs. Weaver had to, has, come here, Donna, as Mrs. Weaver. Let me talk to you just a little bit. Do you know that Donna, who came from a non-denominational church, wore jeans and flip-flops to chapel and had a different background? By the way, we didn't, we didn't punk her. We loved her. We helped her. Do you know that she was the guest speaker for our deacons' wives at our deacons' retreat this year? And she stood up and so eloquently taught the Word of God. You know, Mrs. Honey Reed, Honey, Honey Moran, she spoke to our ladies' Bible study yesterday. You see, these were all people and coming from different, maybe a little bit different backgrounds, but why do we come here to this place? To get doctrine from the Word of God. Hold on to that doctrine. And may I say this? Honor the doctrine of God's Word. Look at verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Look at, we're not trying to graduate a bunch of geeks who don't know how to use their knowledge. You need knowledge and wisdom. But don't make fun of doctrine and understanding and getting into the word of the Lord. Oh, it's so important that we honor it. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There is the priority of good doctrine. Let me show you this. Secondly, the pathway of good doctrine. 
When a man begins to establish doctrine in his life, it begins to set direction for his life. Doctrine determines direction. If I believe in the doctrine of hell, and if I believe in the doctrine of heaven, if I believe in the doctrine of the fullness of spirit, doctrine of, of, of soul winning, that begins to set a direction in my life. It actually helps me to know the way I'm going to live. And this is what is needed today. Why are so many people's lives back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? Because they really don't know what they believe. Isn't it wonderful that we can have classes that give us doctrine at West Coast Baptist College? I'm so thankful for it. Notice verse 11. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in the, what's the next phrase say? Right paths. That's my job as a preacher. That's going to be your job as a teacher and a preacher. To lead. We are training in this college servant leaders. We don't want you to go follow some website, some liberal preacher. We're training you to lead people in the right path, not to lead them down the wrong path. You see, the priority of doctrine will give you the pathway of doctrine. And oh, it's so important. This is why Solomon says, I have led thee in the right paths. Someday, uh, Brother Getch and Brother Rasmussen, some of us will, myself, we'll, we'll probably, I don't know what, I don't know how it's going to look someday. Maybe I'll be in my 80s. Maybe they'll be rolling me around this campus in a wheelchair. I don't know how that's going to look. And I'll be going, hey, I'm, let me tell you how we built that building. And I'm going to tell you, we went to do the Asia Conference or whatever. But when it's all said and done, I know that in the hearts of every teacher and every leader of this college, we want to be able to say, as is said here in this verse 11, we led you in the right path. We didn't try to get you to question the word. We didn't try to get you to question the doctrine. Whether every graduate stays on the right path is not necessarily up to me. There is a choice that's made after you graduate. But I can say with a clear conscience that for 26 years at West Coast Baptist College, we have tried to keep this pulpit hot, keep the doctrine consistent, preach about heaven sweet and hell hot, preach about soul winning and missions, and to the best of our ability, we have tried to set the path right for you. But you must make the, ch the choice. Will you walk in it? Will you walk in it? The pathway of good doctrine, it provides direction. You know what else it provides? It provides assurance. I want you to see that in verse 12. It says, When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. You know, I was probably this way at times too, and I'm not making fun of anyone today, but it's really the immature student who has to question every, every lesson or message or even even sometimes the rules of the college, though they are not inspired. Why do we have these guidelines, or why do we preach strong biblical messages? To try to help you from stumbling, because we know how others have stumbled in the past. Why, do, why does the Bible say, I will set no wicked thing before my eye? Why do people make fun of a preacher that says, don't go to a rated R movie? Why would you, why would you laugh at that? All we're trying to do is help you to not have your marriage get ruined someday. Why, why would someone reject the idea that we should not listen to music which lyrics are talking about rebellion and sex the whole time? Doesn't the Bible say that we're to think on things that are pure and lovely? 
Come on, somebody help me here. We're not trying to hurt when someone says, ah, all these rules, I'll tell you what, I'm tired of legalism. I read a website and I'm free in grace, okay? But at least we kept the path right. We tried to show you the right path. Because on the other side of that, I counsel pastors and missionaries and students and church members every single day of my life who said, I don't like this path of doctrine. Started wandering out on their own, sowing their wild oats, and the result was not good. Let me encourage you that doctrine is something that should be a priority. It'll set a pathway. And finally, notice what, notice what it will provide. We see the priority, the pathway. Notice the provision of good doctrine as we close. Verse 18. We'll just read it. I think I'm about done here. Verse 18. But the path, here we see this path of doctrine, the path of the just is as the shining light. By the way, how many of you prefer to walk on a well-lit path? I do. <laughs> Have you ever walked on a path, maybe the roots made the concrete go up a little bit and you stumble over it? Have you ever been out at teen camp at summertime and now, I mean, the lights are gone, it's dark, and man, you forgot your flashlight? I like to have a lighted path when I walk. I'm so glad the Word of God lights my path. It helps me know where to go. Verse 18 says, The, the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. I think of this wicked, this talk of intersectionality and critical race theory and all of the discussions that are trying to create this fomenting of a cancel culture and all of this talk about transgenderism. It's a dark path, folks. These people tattooing and marking their bodies and having sex change surgeries, all oh, the misery of soul as they get off the path of God. Perhaps they were never on it. Oh, the tragedy that will come. It's a dark, dark path, and they will stumble. This is why, verse 20, Solomon says, My son, attend unto my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Don't let them depart from their eye, thine eyes. Verse 22, they are life unto those that find them. Don't make Dr. John Getch beg you to listen. You ought to be begging him to preach. He's preaching the words of life to save you from the dark path and to help you not stumble, to help you have a good marriage. He doesn't want you being married someday and having lustful thoughts and old habits. And He doesn't want you someday stumbling out of the ministry. Don't make him beg you to listen. Beg him to preach. Somebody ought to be saying, come on, Brother Getz, preach the word of God. I need to hear what you have to say. You have... Plenty of men and women around this campus who've been walking on this path of doctrine for 30, 40, 50 years. Take advantage of it. And I just want to say, doctrine does matter. And you need doctrine. And I need doctrine. We don't, we don't just need to feel good and emotional. I want to have fun. I want to have basketball games. I, I like skits and dramas. And, and I like exciting music. And I enjoy the fellowship that we have. But we are here fundamentally to know what we believe and why we believe it and to live out what we believe. Because your beliefs will determine your behavior. Your beliefs will determine your behavior. Well, why did that guy just all of a sudden drop the name Baptist and just morph and just now he's teaching that other doctrine? And because he never apparently truly believed the doctrine. 
that was given.